reading is from Luke chapter 24 and starting at verse 13. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer all these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As he approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, uh, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our ears burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the, on the way and how Jesus had, uh, was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I just ask you now, please, to give me the words that you want me to speak. And with those, Lord, those words that you, you give us today, that they may touch not just our ears and our heads, but enter into our hearts. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. So I consider myself a very lucky woman because this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Why wouldn't it be you have two men in despair, confusion, lost on that journey, and they meet with Jesus and they are transformed. What a wonderful story. Why wouldn't you want to talk about it this morning and learn about it? Going off on a little bit of a tangent, which you know I do, I often play the happy game. Now, you're all much too young, probably, to remember the film Pollyanna, <coughs> because it's a long time ago. Um, but for some reason, there was this girl on a roof, and she fell off, and she broke a leg, and she ended up in a wheelchair. And her mother used to play the happy game. It used to be the game that said, well, at least you didn't break your back, darling. It could have been worse. The happy game. I tend to do it myself now to my husband, much to his frustration, when he says, oh, my knee's playing up today, and I say things like, yes, darling, but you've got another one. You know, it's that sort of game. I've lived a long time, 70 years plus eight days now. And do you know... <laughs> the idealistic views of youth have well and truly gone. But as a Christian, I can truly play the happy game, can't I? Because I can be optimistic. Yes, sometimes the world does press down. Yes, we do feel depressed. We want the downtrodden to be released we want the poor to get the things that they deserve. We want those in peril to be saved. And we live in a world where often we don't see these joys, these, this justice reigning. But as a Christian, we have faith and we believe and we have a God who loves us and wants the best for us. So yes, I can still play the happy game. And why I'm going off on this tangent is it made me think of the happy game when I thought about these two men. If you remember, it's all in the past tense. He was a prophet. He was going to save us. That was their dreams, their hopes. They'd lived under Roman oppression. Here was their saviour. He was going to come. He was going to take the yoke off their back. He was going to serve. All those injustices were going to be taken away. They were going to be free again. They had hope, real, real hope, that this man had come to save them. And he died on a cross. And they were so depressed. Life had squeezed out all their hope and their joys and the peace that they were hoping for, it had all gone. He had 
died on a cross. And then there was the confusion, the empty tomb. It was so hard for them. They were walking along. You can imagine them walking on that road, their heads down. So sad. So, three things that came to me as I prepared for today. And they're not just things for once that just sort of touch my heart and my head, but I think they actually are quite practical. So that can't be a bad thing, can they? So I hope it's going to touch me and it's going to urge me on, and I hope it'll help you too. That's my hope today. So, first one. We see those two men, depressed, down, so sad, hopeless. And I started asking myself the question, how close had they been to the central core, if you like? How close had they been? Okay, they believed Jesus was a prophet. They believed he'd come to save them. He'd obviously preached to them. He'd obviously healed in front of them. They knew something of his work. Perhaps they weren't in the very inner circle, but they knew something. And I had to keep asking myself the question, well, maybe they hadn't heard the bit about that he'd got to die and then he'd be risen and then he'd rise. Perhaps they hadn't heard that little bit. But the disciples had. Those 11, now in the upper room, behind a closed door, had heard his teaching again and again. He told them, this is what was to happen. And I started thinking, why didn't his disciples get it? Why didn't they, after his death on the cross, after the empty tomb, why didn't they say to the followers, look, This is what was supposed to happen. Jesus told us this was supposed to happen. And it led me to to think about how much we read the Bible, which, don't get me wrong, if these are God's words, we learn by reading God's words. He can open us up to learn. He can talk to us. Like when I read this again, how many times have I read the Road to Emmaus story? But these things jumped out at me. God can use these words to teach us. But sometimes words aren't enough. You know, when Jesus walked beside them on that road, oh, how wonderful. Fancy being there. Fancy being one of those two men. There was Jesus next to them, explaining to them from Moses through the prophets to now. This is what was to happen. This is how it was. This is God's plan. Oh, how wonderful to hear that. But they didn't get it until he broke the bread and opened their eyes. And somehow it made me think, I can read, I can study, all very important, yes. But unless I ask Jesus to truly open my eyes and my heart to let him in, to help me see clearly, to take the mist away, 
to let me really see him and get to know him and know his, his plans for my life, then I won't truly move on on my journey towards him. And that is my prayer for myself this week as I looked at this. Please, Lord, open my eyes to see you clearly and know your plans for me. That was my first thoughts. There's only three. It's all right. Don't panic. The second one. These are two men. We're given one name, Cleopas, okay? And the other one, we're not named at all. They're two men. They're wandering on a road. They're on the road, that's seven, eight miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Now, they're not the inner circle, okay? They're not the 11 in the upper room. They're not anybody particularly important. They're unknowns, nobodies on a way to a place called Emmaus that nobody had heard of. So they're unknowns on a way to nowhere, really. And Jesus comes and walks beside them. They're not important. They're not vital. But they needed Jesus so much at that time. They were so lost, so confused, so depressed. And he came and walked beside them. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm down and I think, but God's got so much else to do. Hey-ho, can he really be bothered? He's got so much else to do. So many more important people to sort out. There's wars here and famine there and there's me with my little problem. I'm not important. I'm not vital. He doesn't need to talk to me. Why would he? Maybe I've done too many things in my life that makes me too far away from him. Maybe he can't come near me. Do you ever feel like that? But he came to two unknown men on an unknown road because they needed him. So my second thought was, never feel that you can't ask God to come to your life when you need him. He has no favorites. He'll come. Just ask him. Third, third point. These two were on their way. Now, maybe they'd been to Jerusalem just for the Passover. So maybe they were due to go home anyway. I don't know. Perhaps they were afraid. You know, their leader had just been killed. Perhaps the Romans were going to round, you know, round up the followers. Perhaps. Maybe they were scared. Get out of Jerusalem quick. Go to Emmaus. Maybe they just felt too down to be amongst all that sadness. I don't know, if, when you're in a sad situation, maybe a sad family situation, and sometimes you think, I've just got to get out of here. I cannot stay in this depressing situation anymore. I've got to get out and breathe the air. Perhaps it was that. We don't know. 
but they left their Christian fellows and friends and they went on that road. When Jesus broke that bread and they saw who he was and that wonderful awakening, he is risen, he is the Messiah. What did they do? It was nighttime, we were told it was getting to evening. Jesus went to go on and they stopped him. No, no, stay with us, that's important too. Stay with us. But now it must have been night and they were setting off back to Jerusalem. It's not a good thing to walk about those roads at night, but that's what they did. Straight back, seven, eight miles, back to Jerusalem to tell the other followers. It's true. He's alive. He's risen. Back among the other friends, the other Christians, brothers and sisters. And to me that said... How can we live as Christians on our own? When we're down and when we're low, how can we cope on our own? Yes, of course, we can ask Jesus. But we need each other. We need each other as Christian believers. And Sunday's great. Don't get me wrong. Gosh, I'm here. Sunday's special. But our faith should be every day of our lives, any, every minute of our lives. How can we do that? We mustn't go off on our own. You know the story of the log in the fire. On its own, it burns away heck of quickly. Wow, gone. If it's in among the other logs, the fire can burn brightly. Give each other strength. When we're low, we mustn't, mustn't leave. We must stay together. If you think, oh gosh, it might be Tina again and her waffly sermons, I can't do Sunday. Giddy aunt. Well, cope with Tina's sermon, whoever might be better next week, you never know. But, no, be together. And not just on a Sunday. You know, get involved. Be part of the church family. What does that mean? Well, it means perhaps volunteering for something that goes on in the week going to small groups, being part of something. So when you're down and low, and yes, even when you're happy and joyful, you can share together. You can support each other. We need each other. God's ideal is for us to be Christians in a family. Okay, those are my three points. Hope they're practical. I think they're practical for me. First one, ask Jesus to open your eyes. To truly open your eyes to see him so that your journey with him will be the journey he wants you to take. Help us to see him clearly. That second one, there are no favorites. Jesus loves us all equally. And thirdly, don't try and go it alone. We need each other. And we need each other every day and every minute of every week. In the church calendar, this is Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the old Christian year. 
next Sunday is Advent. Advent as we prepare for that baby to be born. That baby. That baby who is going to be our, our saviour and our Lord and our King. I live in two kingdoms now that both have kings. It's quite amazing, isn't it? But the kingdom that gives me joy and happiness and hope and peace is the kingdom of God with King Jesus as his head. And because I believe in him, because I believe in him, I can play that happy game. In fact, more than happy, I can be joyful, I can have peace, and in this world that we live in, I can have hope. Thank you. Amen.